I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin Athletic. Got a really big show for you guys today. Of course, the latest news uh, and regarding the 2021 recruiting class came to fruition with the commitment of TJ Bowlers, a four-star kid, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Huge get for the Badgers, huge uh, boost to the class. This is one of the guys that uh, wasn't uh, a fringe guy. He was a guy that uh, everybody had their eye on and was going to be kind of a a benchmark staple piece of this class. So a huge get for Wisconsin today where they continue on their recruiting hot streak. Uh, And then then we'll talk some returning profiles. Uh, We've got a NCAA new practice plan to touch on. And then at the back half of the show, we have an interview with Badgers wide receiver Adam Crumholz. He's been doing a tremendous amount of work in the community to help uh, raise money for racial inequality. I think uh, that we recorded the interview earlier this morning. It was excellent. Uh, Adam was very well spoken on uh, social causes that he's getting involved in, how everyone can help, things of that nature. We also talked plenty of football as well, so I think you guys will really enjoy that interview in the back half. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's been a it's been a good day in terms of the Badger realm. Uh, I thought, like you said, that that interview with uh, Adam was was super good. You know, not only um, in in terms of talking about kind of some of the social aspects, but also um, we were able to to hit on uh, kind of how things have been going uh, within the program as, as people are being phased in, um, how kind of his summer workouts were, and then also uh, talking a little bit about. Uh, other players to kind of look out for this season and in the future um, with the Badgers. So it was, I thought it was a really good interview, but, but yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's definitely a, a good day and uh, a lot of positivity in terms of the football playing um, planned by the NCAA oversight committee. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you think about the, the recruiting aspect, I think uh, the interview went as well. And then the, anytime you're getting back towards football, it's going to be uh, a solid day for uh, Wisconsin football and uh, people following it. So make sure to guys to hang around for that interview. You'll get a good insight on uh, what's been going on for the Badgers off the field and uh, on the field as they get started back on campus. All right, we'll get right into our uh, big news of the day right now. Here's what's happening. All right, guys, we've talked about it a little bit already in terms of the commitment by TJ Bowlers. If you aren't familiar with who he is, Four-star kid, defensive end, listed as a defensive end, probably translates to an outside linebacker, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But uh, out of Clear Creek High School uh, in Iowa, the number two player in the state of Iowa, really big get that continues uh, Wisconsin football's hot streak on the recruiting trail. 
Um, huge guy that uh, the, the Badgers have been going after for quite a while, but his recruitment has really picked up of late. Uh, I know in the last few months he picked up offers from Alabama, Texas A&M, Penn State, but it seemed to be down to uh, Nebraska, Iowa State, Wisconsin, and I think Alabama was kind of in the running. But regardless, a, a huge get for the Badgers, a guy that uh, the Badgers really were keen on getting, landed uh, landed him. And, uh, Matt, what do you make of uh, T.J. Bowler's commitment? I think it's a monumental commitment for the Badgers in 2021 class. We've seen them just kind of stockpiling outside linebackers as of late. I think Bobby April has been doing a phenomenal job as as a kind of a lead recruiter uh, for a lot of these guys. And, you know, T.J. Bowler's really uh, was tied to the Wisconsin academics. But, um, you know, obviously the, the tradition that they have of, of sending guys into the league is, is, is second to none at that edge position. Um, you know, I think at 62, he's got uh, pretty good size. I think it's, it's not, like, ideal. Um, but at the same time, I think he's a guy that, depending upon how he grows, um, and kind of fills out. He could easily be an outside linebacker, but he could also end up uh, sliding in down to the defensive line on, on pass rushing situations, which just makes the defense even more multiple to get another guy who, who's very physical, very uh, aggressive, and and um, really good with his hands. I think he is. He's got really good burst. I think. Um, he, he's got some room to grow in, in a lot of ways as well, but but man, his potential's through the roof, and it's it's never bad to, to pull a kid, uh, especially an Iowa legacy, right out of um, a suburb of Iowa City. Yeah, that's a that's a great get. I mean, you look at the players uh, in Iowa. If you look at the Iowa player rankings, uh, you know, most of the top players in that class uh, from the state are, are guys similar to Wisconsin, where the Hawkeyes keep them in state. It's hard to pull kids from Iowa out of state, you know, Minnesota, you get, sometimes the Badgers have quite a bit of success, but Iowa is a, a state that it's hard to get players out of when they're, when they, you know, when the Hawkeyes are after them uh, and it's in their own backyard that way, but the Badgers were able to secure, you know, the number two player in that state and uh, that's a huge get. So uh, size-wise, like you mentioned, you know, he, he's kind of got similar size to like a Zach Bond um, type player, so you can kind of do uh, a few different things with him. I think on his highlight tape of, of high school, he's, he really just shows a really good amount of strength, but also he's got that leverage that you want, uh, whether he translates to that defensive end position or uh, the outside linebacker position where he's going to be a, a pure pass rusher in a sense. So another huge get, you know, you talked about a little bit already uh, for the Badgers, you know, in terms of what they've been doing at the outside linebacker position, but it's never a bad thing to be just stockpiling on, on guys that can get to the quarterback because, you, you need out, you know, athletic outside linebackers in Jim Leonard's defense, and I think T.J. Bowlers is a guy that fits the system incredibly well. Yeah, and I, I think he, he pairs really nicely with um, a, a guy like Daryl Peterson, who's a little bit different uh, body size, and then you can look at how um, guys like Spencer Lytle and Nick Herbig are, are very different in, in kind of how they're put together. So the Badgers are really bringing in a lot of really talented athletes, um, along that front seven, and it's just kind of it's it's going to be feast, feasting for them because it's just going to be a lo- waves of guys that you can throw um, at the blitz, and and we I would say that um, that's one of the main things that uh, really helps teams who are looking to build towards national championship aspirations is a really solid pass rush. Um, you know, it's usually the line of scrimmage. If you can dominate the line of scrimmage, it can go a long way. And, and T.J. Bowlers is the type of guy that you want on your sideline. Um, you know, you mentioned beating out uh, teams like Penn State, Notre Dame, uh, Iowa, Michigan, Alabama. Um, you know, those are those are teams that really wanted him. 
Um, it wasn't just kind of lip service. It was teams that um, have come in late trying to get him to, to join the fold, and, and the Badgers were able to kind of, um, you know, steer that recruitment their way. And, and really, you look at T.J. Bowlers and Daryl Peterson taking in two guys who had Alabama offers isn't too shabby as your outside linebackers, um, especially when you've got a guy like A.O. Adebogan as well to, to throw in the mix. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the class is, is really shaping up at those positions. And overall, I mean, you look at uh, the boost that T.J. Bowlers brings. Uh, the Badgers move up to 12th in the national rankings in terms of their class, according to 247, which is a pretty big deal. Last year's class was the highest rated ever, and that was rated at 26th. So you're, you're seeing quite a jump from this 2021 class that is up there with some big boys. I know the Big Ten is recruiting at an unbelievable level overall. Uh, I know Ohio State's leading the leading the class in terms of rankings, and you've got Michigan, Iowa, uh, Minnesota, Maryland. All these teams in the Big Ten are, are recruiting at a high level, but Wisconsin to be up there in that top 15 with room to grow is impressive. But before we move on to our next news piece, I wanted to kind of give the listeners who they should expect to maybe see the Badgers focusing on next because we've seen three bat signals go out. Those three have kind of been filled. We kind of expected um, those three names, but there's still guys to get, of course, the big one being Nolan Rucci. But who are some other guys that uh, the listeners should look for in terms of recruiting that the Badgers might be focusing on uh, with their efforts going forward after these this hot streak as they look to kind of continue it? Yeah, I mean, I think they've, they've got a, a lot of different options and a lot of guys who are very interested. It's not um, where, you know, this could be just the tip of the iceberg of, of what, who could be coming um, into the fold here in, in recent, uh, according to um, kind of how the rumor mill has been going. But I think the Badgers are in a really good spot for a couple of corners. Um, Ricardo Hallman, um, he, he seems to be kind of trending Wisconsin's way. You look at um, R.J. Reagan, every time we've talked to different commits, they've talked about um, that they think he's going to be a guy that's going to eventually um, join them. He's already part of their, their group chat, which we know has really been something that guys like Deacon Hill, when we interviewed him, and even Mike Jarvis just recently um, had, had referenced that it kind of makes a big difference in, in trying to bring some of these guys in. And, and build that camaraderie. But I think those are two two guys that definitely uh, to keep an eye on. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bring in another outside linebacker, whether it's Jake Ratzloff or, or Ratzloff or um, uh, Yanni Karloftis. Both those guys look like uh, really, really good um, options if they were able to do that. That really even, even makes it a little bit more to free up a guy like Bullers or Daryl Peterson to – to slide down to that DN position where I, I think they could be really, really good, uh, kind of in like an Alec James mold, but possibly even more talented, um, at least bowlers in, in this case, according to um, recruiting. But then um, a guy who we're actually going to be having uh, on our podcast here uh, next week, um, as well as Skylar Bell at wide receivers. So there's lots of lots of really good options for the Badgers, and, and now it's just a matter of closing it down because they've got about somewhere between like 20 – uh, or so um, possible spots. It's just going to be a matter of trying to figure out um, the best 20 that you can get into the into the class. Yeah, there's still some exciting pieces to get out there that, you know, I know everyone looks for five-star Nolan Rucci to be the guy, but at the same time, uh, Reagan or either of those guys, and of course, uh, Karloftis coming out of uh, West Lafayette to, to pull him out of Purdue's backyard. Anytime you can get uh, high-caliber players out of uh, you know the backyard of other schools, similar to what we had with T.J. Bowlers, 
the class shapes up really nicely. And, and there's no doubt that the recruits that are still on the fence and trying to make a decision right now see what Wisconsin's doing with these last uh, four commits between uh, the, the guys they've rattled off really over the past two, three weeks. So uh, that's definitely something that they're taking notice of. And the guys that have made their commitment are going to you know, now turn to some of those guys and the names that Matt mentioned to to really get on them and, and turn their recruiting on uh, because I know coaches can only have so much uh, talk with players and, and so many hours and things like that. But these guys can group chat and talk all day long. And you, you, you have to believe that these guys that have made their commitment are going to be on the guys that are still on the fence to to come to Wisconsin. So uh, I'm really excited to see where this class of 2021 uh, shapes up at the end because I think it'll uh, it's trending as to be the best one in school history, and I would be surprised if it doesn't uh, blow that mark out of the water. Uh, our other piece of the news today was, of course, the NCAA Oversight Committee put together a practice schedule. Uh, sounds like a good plan moving forward for a college football season. It's looking like more and more confident that there will definitely be a season, whether it will be fans, things like that. It's still kind of up, up in the air, but definitely a sign in the right direction. So, Matt, do you want to give a rundown on, on what the NCAA kind of put forward? Yeah, so, there, you know, the oversight committee isn't like a – isn't like law, isn't saying this is the way it has to be done, but it's it's kind of putting in the place this is uh, what we think should happen and, and making sure that uh, try to make things as uniform as possible given given the sport. Um, but basically for, for teams that are playing on Labor Day weekend, kind of like the Badgers, they can begin um, working out in, in person or the kind of quote-unquote involuntary portion July 13th, uh, which is which – is, Huge because that's on time. That's uh, pretty similar to when normally uh, that that can happen. Um, right now, as you'll find here when we talk to um, Adam Krumholtz, they're they're kind of in this um, voluntary portion. Uh, they say it's voluntary, but everybody's going to be there. It's kind of an unwritten rule, so everybody will be there working out. But they're just only working out with uh, the strength staff. They can't have as much uh, interaction with their coaching staff. Whereas that uh, involuntary portion, they can actually start seeing their coaches. Um, then you can actually have footballs and start working through drills and whatnot, July 24th, um, up to 20 hours per week. Um, and then lastly, um, teams who are on that July, Labor Day weekend can start fall camp starting August 7th. So just uh, kind of those are just kind of different benchmarks that they're setting so that uh, teams can kind of build towards um, having players ready, healthy, um, in a space where they're prepared for a season uh, as as long as everything goes to plan. So um, August 7th would be possibly the start of a, a fall camp with uh, in the involuntary or more, more uh, hardcore workouts starting July 13th than just um, weight room stuff and uh, individual work that players can do um, on their own time with their with their uh, teammates without coaches around. Yeah, it's, it's all positive news. I mean, you know, it's I know, like you said, it's a recommendation, but at the same time, these are these are steps in the right direction where, uh, you know, a couple months ago, we, we were wondering if, if any of this would even take shape. Now it's starting to take shape. They've got some some dates that they have, you know, on paper that they're trying to, you know, work towards. August 7th would uh, be an ideal date, and that's the biggest thing is to start a season on time and without hiccups. They talked about that these guys would need plenty of time to get ready, maybe even more so than a normal season. And, and thankfully, it, it sounds like they'll get at least close to a normal fall camp uh, where they can get together and, and start practicing. So 
definitely a step in the right direction. I know we've said that phrase a lot, step in the right direction. But with this you know, unprecedented situation of the coronavirus and everything that happened, it takes a little bit. It takes some planning to get work towards. But uh, I think at least with everything that's been announced, it looks like we're we're looking at full systems go if, if we get off without a hiccup. And I know that's a tough part, but at the same time, it, it looks like that might be the case. So everyone uh, – I think it's is fair to probably get excited as we get started and get closer to college football season. Yeah, I think now is the time where you can start feeling a little bit more giddy about that as a potential thing happening. And I am giddy. I cannot wait to see it. All right, let's hop into some returning profile players before we get into our interview with Adam Crumholtz. Uh, speaking of Adam Crumholtz, the, the wide receiver room, we've talked a lot about in our interview uh, that wide receiver room. And the first guy that we're going to talk about as we continue to roll through these is Danny Davis III. Uh, big things expected out of Danny Davis this year with the departure of Quintess Sivas and A.J. Taylor. A lot of re- you know production to replace. Kind of had a down year given uh, most of the targets went to the, the two guys we already mentioned. But Danny Davis has shown time and time again, especially his freshman season, that he can be a number one wide receiver in this offense. And I think Jack Cohen can certainly establish a connection with him if he is in fact uh, our quarterback on on day one, which we both kind of suspect. So what do you make of Danny Davis as he returns uh, this season? I think I think he's poised to have a much bigger season. I think you saw him kind of get overshadowed or, or put into a different position than where he was um, uh, previously. Just because Quintez Sivas was back, um, A.J. Taylor was, was still your slot guy. I think Pryor will probably um, take most of those reps in the slot, but I think Danny Davis is going to kind of be your new Quintez Sivas in, in, in a lot of ways where they're going to try to get him the ball more often. Now, do I think necessarily he's going to have the same type of production and numbers that Sivas had? I'm not sure about that, but he has really, really good hands. Um, he's he's capable of reeling in um, some really contested passes. I, I really think back to you know that one-handed grab against Purdue in in 2018, or um, you know he had that one jump ball against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship back in 2017. And and he's a kid who who really came on as a freshman, but um, you know he had lesser opportunities, wasn't tasked with going down the field nearly as much. I, I think we're going to see more of that and and him becoming a greater focus. Uh, this year, so I think I think the sky's the limit for Danny Davis. I think you know he came in with a, a lot of pomp and circumstances, a four-star kid, really good athlete, um, and I think he he's a guy that um, could be ready to break out. And I think as long as he stays healthy and as long as the Badgers are are passing the ball at a reasonable clip, he he's going to get a lot of uh, attention from from uh, Jack Cohn going forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you hit the nail on the head with what what fans can expect from Danny Davis. And the, the nice thing about Danny Davis is we've seen flashes of it before, not even flashes. We've seen a good amount of production from him before early in his career. Uh, so I think with uh, you know improved quarterback situation under Jack Cohn, given to what it was a few years ago, I, I think uh, it's reasonable to expect uh, a really big jump out of him. And uh, speaking of jump, we'll jump over to another wide receiver in uh, Jack Dunn, who we have had on the podcast before. Uh, similar situation, experienced kid, uh, seen some of the field, especially on special teams, S- smaller guy, probably a guy that could maybe work into that slot role uh, with Kendrick Pryor. But what do you make of Jack Dunn as he returns this season? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that when when we're in fall camp, he, he just catches everything and they throw the ball to him a lot. Uh, Jack Cohn is, is obviously very uh, comfortable in throwing the ball to him. 
Um, you know, he's only five seven, like you like you were saying. He he's not a not a big guy, but at the same time, I, I think he's he's really the type of kid that can that can hit those short and intermediate routes um, just by pure quickness and in solid route running. You know, you uh, with a, a quick whip in or whip out with him, um, trying to get him into quick space and, and trying to find little areas. Um, I, th- I think he's he can do that. I, I, he's not going to be a guy to take the top off the defense like a Danny Davis or or a, um, Kendrick Pryor. But at the same time, underneath routes, um, kind of possession wise, he he can do that. And um, I think he'll he'll still be our punt returner for the Badgers next year. I, I would be very surprised if he wasn't. But I think he's he's going to be a guy that like Adam Crumholtz is going to have a, a bigger role next year. I, I don't anticipate him being. Um, you know, a focal point of the offense, but he's definitely going to be one of the, the top four guys that are that are getting minutes because he can also block really well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was something that I think he saw a lot of the field last year because of his blocking. He can, he can uh, despite his size, he can get in there and, and make a block for people. So I think that is a and, – and maybe you see him in like the uh, the end-around game. He's got good speed and the size and the shiftiness really works for him in that way. So – Definitely a lot of guys in that receiver room that everyone's expecting more from, but at the same time, they're experienced players that have seen a lot of the field, so there's a lot of excitement uh, surrounding both Danny Davis and Jack Dunn. All right, our next couple guys, we're going to transition to the defensive side of the ball, and that is in the secondary. Uh, The first guy that's kind of not been forgotten or overlooked by any means, but last season at the safety position, they had so much success with Reggie Pearson, Eric Burrell, and, and some other guys, but... Scott Nelson, his freshman season, was a, a very talented player, uh, battled through, you know, you know, lost him for the season last year to injury early on, I believe in that first week against South Florida. Um, so definitely a tough situation for him last year, but coming back, we've seen a lot from him on the field. Uh, it's a little bit crowded secondary, so I'm not sure where and how they're going to do it all, but I know Jim Leonard's going to get his best guys on the field. So what do you make of uh, the return for Scott Nelson this season? Yeah, I think I think the big thing is for him is going to be health. You know, he's he's uh, he's shown that he's got the range. Uh, you know, he's very athletic. Um, he kind of reminds you of a guy like Tanner McAvoy back there. He's obviously not six six like McAvoy was, but he's got really good size for a safety, good speed. I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to have a role on the team. Um, I think he would be a guy that would be on a lot of special teams. He'll definitely be fighting for one of those starting spots. I think Jim Leonard's definitely shown that, hey, he's going to rotate bodies back there. We saw how much uh, Colin Wilder played last year. I would anticipate that Wilder probably doesn't see the field quite as much because of Nelson, uh, assuming he's healthy. But uh, the Badgers have a luxury back there because they have so many talented guys, and they each kind of bring something different. You know, he, him and um, Eric Burrell are, are very different in, in how they navigate the safety position. You know, Reggie Pearson – a really talented hitter, um, and you saw Reggie Pearson start off in that first game at, as the the nickel. So maybe they get a little bit more creative to get all three on the field at times um, and use some three safety sets. So I, I think you look at kind of how they'll be used. I think he's going to have a big role on the team. I just don't, I'm not not totally sure if he's going to be a day one starter because I think there's there's a lot of really good players back there that um, have kind of earned their stripes as well. Um, like him. So I, I think the competition is going to be fun to watch in fall camp with them. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, you look at who's back there right now. We talked about Pearson, Eric Burrell coming back as 
one of the you know the top ranked players in the conference coming back after the season he had last year. I'm really excited to see what Eric Burrell brings. But if you have a, a healthy Scott Nelson that played the way he did his freshman season, you've really got a, a strong secondary back there where you can rotate in guys, play a lot of talented players. I saw uh, uh, Braden Gall of Athlon Sports released the uh, you know unit rankings for the Big Ten, and they had uh, the Badgers ranked second, I believe, in the secondary. So. There are big expectations for this group coming into next season. I'm really excited to see who plays out at both the corner and safety positions, who gets a chunk of the field. But I know Jim Leonard's going to work in a lot of guys, and he's going to try and get his best four corners and safeties on the field as much as he can. And speaking of corners, our last returning player that we're going to talk about before we get to our interview with Adam Crumholz is Fayon Hicks, a guy that can certainly be a lockdown corner that we've seen from time and time again incredibly fast, had a really good season last year paired, uh, especially down the, the latter half paired with Caesar Williams at the cornerback position. But what do you make of Fayon Hicks as he comes back next year? Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's a guy that is definitely going to be one of your primary corners. He, he's quick. He's super fast. Um, he, he's a guy that uh, is really talented. I think he, he's got room for growth like, like a lot of corners um, at Wisconsin, but at the same time, you look at kind of what he has done. Um, he's not going to wow you with crazy stats, but he's consistent. He's, he's a guy who, who's not afraid to get up and, and make the tackles necessary. He started by far the most games out of anybody on that defense last year uh, in the secondary as a cornerback. So Jim Leonard trusts him beyond uh, a lot of his other cornerbacks. Him and Caesar Williams will probably be your starters starting off. Shard Wild Goose will definitely play as well, but but I think Fayon Hicks is is going to be another guy who could take a nice leap if if he continues to be consistent and kind of elevates his game after another year where he saw a lot of the field. Um, you know, we we look and we oftentimes um, underestimate just experience with these guys. Hicks started every game but two. Um, you know, one of them was, was because of injury, and, and, and then he didn't start Michigan State. So um, I, I think he, he's a guy who will definitely have a, a solid year and will, will probably be the, the Badgers' number one or number two corner um, if you have to, like, differentiate and give uh, an exact label for these guys. Oh, yeah, most definitely uh, a starter. And I think those two, you know, and Williams and Hicks really pair well together where – you know, one's a bigger corner, can, can can take on certain matchups, and one's a little bit small, smaller, more of a speedster where he can handle certain receivers as well. And then you mix in Wild Goose in there that we've talked about a little bit already, and you've got a really good you know top three. And and there's not, and that's not saying that the guys behind them you know uh, aren't talented either. It's a very deep cornerback room, but Hicks is definitely the most experienced guy. Played a lot of football early in his career, and now that's now you're seeing the benefits of that, where he's going to come in this season and and have a lot of playing time under his belt and, and be possibly a top corner in the Big Ten. So I'm excited to see the growth from uh, from all four of these guys to see where they're at as we get into fall camp because there's going to be you know especially on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary there's going to be a lot of heat competitions where these guys are going to have to earn their stripes and get on the field, but uh, I fully expect Hicks especially to, to be one of the guys out there at that starting cornerback role. Especially because he's only, he's only a junior next year. Right. So it's not like, you know, Caesar Williams is going to be a senior. You're, you're going to have some guys that are going to be leaving, but he's only a junior. He's a guy that's probably going to be sticking around. Uh, you know, for having that much experience going into your junior year is definitely a good thing, and I'm, I'm excited to see the growth that he's taken um, uh, going into his redshirt junior year. 
Yeah, most definitely. It's it's a nice quality to have to be entering your junior junior year and, and having a ton of football under your belt and not just where he was trying to catch up and learn. He was playing at a pretty high level. So to be able to have that uh, coming into your junior season with, with plenty of football ahead of you, uh, it's exciting to see. All right, guys, I think that wraps up pretty much everything we wanted to touch on. So we're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our interview with Adam Crumholz. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest, Wisconsin wide receiver Adam Crumholz. Not only is he a huge part on the football field, he's also been a huge part of the Madison community and the surrounding areas off the field, so we're going to have some conversations both uh, on both of those. And before we get into the football, Adam, uh, first I want to say thank you, but I also want to applaud you and your girlfriend, uh, Demetra's efforts to raise money for those facing racial inequalities in the community. Could you maybe fill our listeners in on the work you've been doing and, and how they might be able to help you with that cause? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, we'll get started. So me and uh, Demi, my girlfriend, um, linked up with Nehemiah, who um, fights to eliminate the racial disparities in our community. And basically we we have this GoFundMe app um, that's on both of our accounts that people can donate to. And with that money, we go buy um, – items in big bulk, like essential essential items that we uh, later on make kits, and we give it back to the um, church uh, that Nehemiah is a part of. Um, and and uh, I have some familiarity with Nehemiah as, as it's near kind of where I work, um, and, it's, and it's a great local group here in Madison that you've, that you've kind of partnered with. Um, how did that relationship um, then kind of start, and, and what are some awesome ways in which they've been making an impact in, in our local Madison community? Yeah, so at first, um, after everything going on, you know, there was protests that me and Demi uh, were attending, but we also wanted to, to do more and and actually help help out people um, in person. So they, we reached out to them, and... Um, um, Demi got in connection with them and asked like anything that we could do, and they said, "Well, we're really need in need for essential items for families uh, that's been hit with COVID um, nineteen, um, pretty pretty hard." So, but what they do is every first Thursday of the month and every last Thursday of the month, they um, donate you know food, essential items, um, stuff like that, gas cards. Um, just for just for people in need. 
Well, Adam, I think that's a great cause. And for our listeners that are listening, we'll make sure to link to the GoFundMe page. So if you would like to help contribute uh, to this great cause, to help the local area of Madison, uh, it'll be able to easy to find and do it that way. Um, Adam, growing up in Stoughton and now attending Wisconsin, you've probably seen firsthand some of the you know experiences and political viewpoints that kind of intertwine the numerous issues surrounding the murders of, of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Outside of donating to causes such as Nehemiah, what do you think people can do to support the Black Lives Matter movement and to kind of spur some social reconstruction on the local and, and national levels? So I think most importantly for especially for the white uh, community is basically just educate yourself. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the issues is mostly because uh, people don't understand or know why things are happening. Um, especially within our history of uh, um, America, uh, educating yourselves on knowing what's exactly going on, like seeing facts um, and trying to believe and um, understand our, our viewpoint um as the black community, I think that's that's goal number one. And goal number two is, you know, listen and take advice and try to help, you know, as much as you can. Um, it starts every person. It starts within themselves to look to look through. And it might be hard, but I think I think if you do that, like change, change could be possible. I thought that was really well well said and, and really what we as a Madison community and really as a, as a nation need to do um, um, across, across all um, racial backgrounds is, is to come together and make sure that uh, everybody is putting their best foot forward and better understanding one another so that we can reach an ultimate goal where everybody is, um, has, has a greater uh, place in our, in our community. Um, Paul Christ obviously put out a public statement in, in regards to the ongoing historical injustice that have um, seemingly been going on for, for years here. Um, what has communication been like within the team? Because um, uh, it's a very incredibly important time right now. Yeah, so um, about two weeks ago, Coach Christ had a team meeting via um, online, like a Zoom Zoom call, and he we sat down and he – and he, and he talked about the team, talked about what was going on. Um, he talked about, you know, being honest. Uh, and he was really, really, really appreciative. Like, I was really appreciative on what he had to say and what he spoke to the team. And then the next week happened, and we sat down again with all the coaches. And each each position coach, you know, spoke out and talked talk to the team about um, – like what what they need and what other like teammates need from them and um, everything about what's going on. So that was that was um, that was amazing to hear from the coaches. Well, it's great to hear, guys. Again, we'll make sure to link to uh, the GoFundMe so you guys can help out with this cause and hopefully we can really make some change in the Madison community. Uh, let's pivot to some football talk, as it looks like uh, we're, we're more and more likely that it will be a 2020 season now. I know. You guys are back on campus. So what has that first week kind of been like for you, and what was your off-season conditioning like given the constraints of, of COVID-19 across the country? Um, so the off-season off for me was uh, I live in a house with, with about 20 guys, and um, once once guys got back to Madison, we started you know working out in our basement, um, 
running running by the band like running drills by the band uh field that was available outside to us because we weren't allowed um on campus property but we had a weight set up um so we lifted about every single day and then we went up north to Dunn's cabin about 12 12 of the upperclassmen got to use their um field to to run and uh worked out there for for about two weeks and then came back and um we've been we've been or i i personally have been lifting um, about every day so i feel like i haven't really lost a step but it's it's definitely different than um be not being able to to work out um with the team and then what was the what was the other part of the question Oh, we just asked, you know, how excited are you to just kind of be back on, on campus and, and what's maybe the first week been like for you? Oh, so it's been, you know, it's been awesome. Um, the first week, the first day, uh, we just had COVID-19 testing. So this Monday, um, we all got tested, had physical therapy, or not physical therapy, uh, physical tests, and then um, also concussion testing, and then we had to wait about two to three days to find out if um, we got our COVID-19 test back. And then starting next Monday, we're, we're able to lift, lift with the team. Um, have they given you any indications of, of how you guys um, plan to, to do that, that lifting? I know a lot of different places across the country are, are looking at smaller groups kind of going in. Um, have they given you kind of a, a rough outline of how that might look for you guys? Yeah, uh, the rough outline was was small groups. Um, I think ten or less less guys in the weight room, and it's in this pretty big weight room. But uh, we're not going to be able to to really be by each other. We're going to have to keep our space. There's only going to be about one strength coach in there uh, with us, and then um, we can't use you know the locker rooms, the showers, or anything like that. So it's it's kind of like high school or, you know, where you bring your own bag, you go lift, and then you go you go home and um, have the rest of your day to yourself. Yeah, it's interesting how this will all kind of change. Uh, even the, the, the smallest part of your guys' routine will, will be probably impacted by this. And similar uh, to that was before coronavirus started, Alvis Witta took over the wide receiver job. How have you kind of gotten to know him given he kind of took over at a time where everything started to shut down. And, and what do you think he kind of brings to the table? Yeah, um, I mean, first impression, you know, he's an intelligent, uh, smart man. And, you know, he's very nice, uh, outgoing uh, individual. Um, so we met, me and uh, Don, KP, and Danny got to meet him um, in person before, you know, everything started to shut down. And, you know, that was great to see him. And then, He's been he's been amazing so far. He's been in touch with us. We've had um, Zoom meetings twice, three times a week, watching film, talking about you know everything that's going on, um, talking about our personal lives. So he's very connected with us um, already. So that's that's amazing so far. Very cool. Yeah, he seems like a, a very promising coach uh, for the Badgers and, and really for for everybody in that locker room. Um, Quintez Cephas and AJ Taylor are now gone, you know, and they've kind of been uh, great wide receivers that have been here for a while uh, at Wisconsin. But there's a lot of returning names to the room. Um, you kind of talked about UKP, Danny, 
um, and, and done. Um, what do you think is this group's strength this year? I think um, our flexibility of being able to play all positions. You know, we've been here for four years. Uh, we know the system well. We we're we're brothers. You know, we're we count on each other. Uh, we push each other to work harder, and um, we got trust with Jack Cohn, um, with him too, because you know for how much work we put in with him, uh, we have a good we have a we have a good solid bond. So I think I think our best our best um, skill with each other is being able to play each position at any time of the game. You know, kind of piggybacking off that, you now a senior, you're potentially going to be called on to, you know, a larger role in the offense. What do you believe is your biggest strength on the field? Um, you know, creating space from the defensemen, um, making good catches, um, being accountable, um, being where I need to be, and, you know, making big plays. That's that's what I, what I think my best uh, attribute is. Yeah, we've, we've seen you make big plays and really be able to create space um, using your size in, in practice. You know, we've seen some really good catches from you. But, but in addition to your role as a wide receiver, you've been really one of the most reliable special teams players for the Badgers these past few seasons. You know, I remember multiple great tackles that you've made as a gunner in, in punk coverage or in kickoffs. Um, what do you enjoy about that role as well? Um, pro- probably hitting the guy where uh, – <laughs> Uh, I know as a receiver, you don't really think, you know, I didn't really think I was going to be able to to tackle people, you know, as a receiver coming in at UW, but special teams, you know, you get a chance to do that, and, you know, it's electric. It's it's a great feeling when, when you down a punt, or punt returner um, before he, he can take a step forward. So that helps our defense. That helps our, our whole entire uh, game plan. Um so, you know, helping the team in that way is, is, is special. You know, we've talked a little bit about the receiver room and, of course, yourself and some others being experienced guys, but there's also a great deal of younger amount of talent uh, in that room. Who are some of the younger wide receivers that have kind of stood out to you and maybe could be the future after yourself and, and some of the other guys that are, you know, upperclassmen uh, leave the room? Uh, my, 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 uh, my first impression with with Chim, um, the the freshman receiver that's coming in, you know he's he's been inspiring to be honest. He's he's worked very hard. He's very skilled, and he and he really wants to be better. You know he'll ask questions all the time, and you can just tell uh, he's a spe- he's going to be a special player for UW. Um, another one, Steph. He's he's fast. He's quick. He's got a lot to learn, but you know he's very very talented in that sense too. Nice. Uh, you were you were a walkout when you came to Wisconsin. Um, what went into your decision to come to Madison, and what's that experience been like for you? So, I only so for football, I only played um, half my freshman year and then my senior year. But I didn't I didn't really think you know I was going to get recruited to a big school. I didn't even think I was going to play football to be honest. Um, halfway through my senior year, but once you know. Once I found out, you know, I had the abilities to, um, you know, I I didn't think, you know, a big school would, would want me just because, you know, I didn't have that much tape to put on. I wasn't really recruited. But once, you know, UW offered um, my dream school growing up 30 minutes away from Madison, you know, it was, it was like a dream come true.
Yeah, I mean, you see walk-ons contribute in a big way at Wisconsin, both in the special teams and, you know, oftentimes as full-time starters. Uh, are there any young walk-ons that you think could have a bright future in the program and, and see extended playing time depending on how everything kind of unfolds for them? Yeah, so, um, so a few, maybe just one walk-on. I think Jordan uh, Dependetto, uh from from Stoughton, you know, he's, He's a strong physical player. Um, he's built built well. Um, he's got he's got a he's got to get there. But I think for him, especially on special teams, he could he could play the role that um, that I that my career had set. So I see a lot of him in me. So I think you know his future is bright too if he you know sticks to it. Nice. You know, obviously entering in your fifth grade or fifth grade, fifth 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 year here on campus as a senior, you've been part of some some great teams at Wisconsin. Um, do you have a favorite memory from from your career so far? Yeah. Um, well, my favorite memory is is my first game I ever played in um, at Illinois, but also, you know, the orange the Orange Bowl a few years ago. That was probably my you know, our, our that team was had a strong bond. You know, we all loved each other very much, and um, that game, you know, that game was was probably my favorite game uh, to be a part of. Yeah, that was a special moment for sure. It seemed like that team was was very close knit uh, compared to some others, so it was a, a really special season to watch from the fan perspective. Uh, Adam, thank you again. I think that's the last of our questions, but really appreciate everything that you've done, uh, you know, both with joining us and in the community. Um, we'll be making sure to to link to everything to help you guys out and, and try and uh, make sure you guys can raise the funds that you need to help uh, our local community. We're really proud of uh, the job you and uh, Demetra have done uh, to help the Madison community. Yeah, uh, thank you guys so much uh, for helping out and, and reaching out for, for this interview. I appreciate that a ton. Most definitely. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. We'll be back with you next week on Wisconsin.